and Talk. Hello and welcome to Grow Up and Talk. This is episode 32 and this is Alex. And we believe on this show that eternities are changed when Jesus followers grow up in their faith. And one of the best ways to do that is by talking about faith and God's word. So we are using a three-year Bible reading plan. We're going through that at Messiah Lutheran Church. And that's what we're using to talk about um, with our podcast. And today to help me talk about God's word is once again, Ed Funk. Ed, thanks for coming on the show a second time. Tell us something interesting about yourself that we didn't hear the last time. Well, first of all, uh, I, I want to thank you for giving me a second chance because uh, a lot of times people don't get second chances. And uh, after I did episode uh, 30, um, I was thought, well, they'll never hear me again. But I, I guess um, things happened and um, I'm getting a second chance. So I hope I do better today. Uh, let's see. I think I told about most of myself last time about how long yep. Gracie and I had been at the church, but I didn't go before that. I'm, I'm originally from Illinois and, um, I'm from O'Fallon, Illinois. And, uh, uh, Mr. Parker and I both went to the same junior college, Belleville junior college. Um, and we both ended up here. Uh, I attended uh, Southern Illinois University and St. Louis University School of Dentistry, and I was involved in dentistry for 50 years. I just retired, retired last February from the dental school here at, uh, at San Antonio. But mm-hmm. my, my career, my main career was with the United States Navy. I was in the Navy 30 years. Oh, wow. And okay. of those 30 years, uh, Gracie and I, we spent uh, nine of them in Asia. Oh, so, really? I Gracie, did not know that about you. Yeah, Gracie um, has a degree in Asian studies, and she took a month to travel through uh, mainland China, and she wrote a thesis on the spread of Buddhism. Mm. So if you ever want to know about the spread of Buddhism, and I think there's some programs on the public TV this month about that, um, Gracie uh, can talk to you about that. All right. And we have four kids and they're all do- doing well and six grandkids and they're semi in college because of the COVID thing. Yeah. Semi. Yeah. 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 I think that uh, we, we feel like a lot of this year is, is, is sort of semi or halfway or in other words, not what it meant to be, but it is only temporary. We will get through it. And since we've been home here, uh, basically since uh, March, Gracie's been doing a lot, a lot of uh, studies on her uh, ancestry, and she now has traced herself back to, uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but uh, he came over on the Mayflower. Mm. And one of the things about him was that he was washed overboard as a young man on the Mayflower, and he was able, he was able to grab a rope that they threw to him. So if that rope wasn't thrown back there, I wouldn't be sitting here with Gracie. I don't know who I'd be sitting here with. But uh, anyway, it's uh, ancestry is very, very uh, interesting. Well, we praise God for ropes and for rain. Yes. We've been getting a lot of rain this week. Oh, the um, rain's been wonderful, yeah. Yeah. I hope the grass has grown over there to church. It's, it's growing great. So... 
All right. Well, speaking of growth, uh, let's grow up in our faith a little bit by talking about uh, today our readings from September 5th through September 11th, and that covers, uh, we're going to focus on 1 Chronicles 13 through 17. And uh, Ed, did you want to give us a quick summary of what's going on here? Yes. Um, basically, uh, it's David's become very overzealous. Uh, he's king now, and he wants to build Jerusalem, and he wants to bring the ark um, back to Jerusalem. And I think the, about this time, the ark is a probably about 740, 750 years old, and it's traveled around quite a bit. Uh, the Philistines had it for a while, and then they got rid of it, put it in an uh, ox cart, and sent it back to the Israelites because it was causing too much problems. So David's going to bring it to Jerusalem, but uh, again, they don't remember or don't follow the protocol or follow the Mosaic law, and they get themselves in a lot of trouble. And that's part of the, that's the first part of it. And then it goes into how they straighten things out and how they establish Jerusalem and how he establishes kingship. And then ends uh, verse 17 uh, with him um, uh, giving a very gracious prayer to, to God. So that's kind of the over, overall for the verses today. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. And uh, what stood out to you in when you were reading this? What, which always stands out to me is the amount of time that occurred in the Old Testament and which has occurred since then. As I said before, last time uh, I had a podcast that we lump all this together. But even back then, um, the people, including David, uh, had forgotten what the proper protocol was to do for certain things, and they had to learn the hard way. And basically, as we go through the Old Testament, we find that the Israelites are relearning the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, good. Uh, I think something that stood out to me was in uh, kind of in chapter 14, uh, the chronicler, the, I guess that's what we call him, the chronicler, the author of Chronicles is kind of rearranging uh, the narrative a little bit. He interrupts the story of the Ark being brought to Jerusalem. And one of the notes that I read on that said that that kind of points to the fact that God blessed David even without the Ark of the Covenant. And so it wasn't reliant. David's blessings from God weren't reliant on the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, but it is interesting that there's kind of this dynamic playing out between, you know, these artifacts that God has given to, especially in the past, to to uh, signify his presence with his people. And they're kind of bringing that back into uh, their lives and into their worship, worshiping communities. But at the same time, it's also the story is arranged in such a way that we know that God is, is blessing them no matter what. But he often uses um, objects and tangible things to signify to us and remind us of his presence in our lives. And so I think that's what he's doing here with David and uh, God's people as they bring the ark into Jerusalem. But we also see in Chronicles that it's clear that David has been able to defeat enemies. 
even without the ark. And so God is certainly with them. Yeah, the author breaks up the continuity of his narrative uh, and places that in there. Um, so let's let's talk about the ark. Um, okay. First of all, they want to move the ark, and I think where they're moving it from is only about 10 or 12 miles from Jerusalem. And uh, the name of the city, I, I, some of these names I'm going to have a hard time with, is, was Bale Judah. Mm-hmm. And which means lords, lords of Judah, or maybe means gods of Judah. Yeah. And the Israelites renamed the town uh, Kirith Jerim, which means city of woods. This was to avoid reference to the pagan gods. Okay. And so there was these. They don't know if they don't think they were Levites. They could have been Levites or priests, but they think they were just maybe zealous. Uh, Israelites who wanted to help move the ark, and so they put it in a new cart. And I'm not too sure what the significance of the new cart is. I know the Philistines put the ark in the cart and sent it back to the Israelites. Uh, but when they did this, uh, one of the uh, two, there's two brothers that were uh, with the cart. Uh, one of them. Uh, Yuza touches the ark when the oxen stumble and he tries to stabilize it. And then he was struck down by God for touching the ark. And uh, David gets so afraid what's going on. He puts the ark, uh, does not take it to Jerusalem. He takes it to uh, Obed Edom's home. And they know that they believe that Odin Edom was a Levite and that God blessed his home. But they think that the family that was transporting the ark in the new cart maybe were not Levites, Mm. which was against the Mosaic law. And also they were transporting the ark the same way the Philistines did in in, in a cart. And the Mosaic law said it was to be carried with poles. Uh, by Levites. So right away, uh, they had forgotten the Mosaic law and they got off on a bad foot and David <laughs> got a- afraid and he, he put the ark in this, uh, Obi- I want to say Obi-Wan Kenobi, that's what it looks like, <laughs> Obi-Adam's home. And I think it was there, they kept it there for three months before okay. they, they got their act straight. Yeah. And, uh, but before he did this, David did what he did do. He went out through all of Israel uh, from the very northern city to the very southern city. And he picked specific people to be involved in moving the ark. And uh, he, there was about 30,000 people involved in this uh, movement of the ark, pos- po- the possession. Um but they did it wrong, so they got in trouble. <laughs> yeah, there were definitely some violations of God's uh, law given through Moses. Um, they were doing a good thing by kind of returning to uh, this artifact that God had, had gifted them with. But um, he had warned, you know, he, he had said, yes, carry them, uh, carry the ark by the poles, uh, do it this certain way. And also, do not touch it. 
um, do not actually touch the ark. And so it is a reminder of the consequences of disobeying God's law, and God's law is there um, for, um, for a reason. I think this kind of confuses me a little bit sometimes because I think, you know, why did he create this law that you couldn't touch the ark necessarily? Um, and I don't know if I have an answer to that. What do you think about that, Ed? Do you have any thoughts on, like, why maybe God uh, would have made kind of these se- seemingly strict laws concerning, like, the Ark of the Covenant? Well, they, they could put—they had—when they made—somebody had to make it. Yeah. And the, All right. So it's the—like I said, the Ark was, like, 700 and probably 50 years old then. So— it, it was made to the specifications, so uh, God was in charge of that. Uh, and they had the rings on the side to put the poles through. I think the, the reason was is that uh, for the same reason you're not supposedly looking to God's face, that you're not supposed to touch the ark, that these were the laws to make sure that people knew this was a very holy object or the holy object. And that shouldn't be uh, no fingerprints, please. Uh, <laughs> keep your fingerprints off the holy objects. So uh, I believe that was just God's way of, of of emphasizing what how much how important the ark was to the Israelites. Yeah, and he, he gave them specific rules how to handle it, what to do, and yeah. who could do it and who couldn't do it. So the rule, but I. Like I said, the ark was fairly old, and it had been moved around a quite a few times, and there's always moved with the poles, except when the Philistines had it, and I'm, so they had a lot of problems with it. That's why they got rid of it. Um, so it was coming back to Jerusalem, and he just wanted to come back and follow. The rules hadn't changed. The rules were right. still there. Yeah. Um, the... And the thing when it did come back, uh, it was um, very well orchestrated. David really orchestrated the uh, the uh, the parade, and oh yeah, and it was uh, almost over orchestrated. And uh, everyone involved was a was a, either a priest or a Levite, and e- even the the guys who played the instruments. You couldn't just be in the musicians' union. You had to also be a Levite. So you had to had to be a Levite or a priest. And they brought it in properly with the poles. And he had them play only joyful music. Mm. And I believe he also um, dressed himself as a priest. He even wore one of those linen epods, they call them. Yeah. Um, and he uh, he presented it as uh, the holy object that it was. Now, the one thing I, I think this was explained to me once before, but I don't. I'm not too sure. I'm not going to say anything until I ask you. <laughs> but his wife, Michael, yeah, uh, uh, Saul's uh, daughter, uh, she was very disturbed the way that David was uh, leading the possession i can't say <laughs> the uh parade back into to jerusalem was was she embarrassed for the way he was acting 
Oh, what was your problem? So a lot of this kind of intertwines with um, the account from Second Samuel. Um, here's from Second Samuel uh, chapter 6, verse 20. And David returned to bless his household. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today. I think she's being sarcastic here. <laughs> How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants and female servants as one of the vulgar fellows shamefully uncovered, uh, uh, shamelessly uncovers himself. And um, so I think it was kind of, um, she was, yeah, she was embarrassed uh, because it, it, I guess, she thought it wasn't honorable for David to be uh, dancing in his underwear. Um, yeah, because I, what I, 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 that's the part I, I remember reading too, but I wasn't going to yeah. say anything until I checked with you. But I think what it was, part of it was this linen epod ep he had on. Uh, it's like going out there in your, uh, got, your uh, robe. Yeah. And I guess when you start jumping around in your robe, uh, it could be embarrassing. Maybe, but he was he could have he was having a good time. Yes, well, I think it kind of what we see here is a theme of what is holy and what is not holy. So, or the idea of holiness, I think, because you know sometimes our ideas of what is holy is incorrect. Because Michael was was upset with David. Hey, you shouldn't be dancing and that kind of thing, and 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 doing this thing, but. But I think he was just praising God, and I think that was a holy thing. Um, I wonder if he, wonder if he got in trouble when he got home that night. <laughs> well, he might have gotten in trouble with his yeah. his his wife, but that's what I'm uh, saying. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I she know. was she was he was uh, his he he loved her for a long time, and uh, he, since I think there were kids, and she was Saul's daughter, yeah. so she she may have threw some weight around. Yeah, I don't know, but I I don't think that God was angry with him or God was no, upset no, with him. No, yeah, no. so I think you know it's kind of what we see here is is kind of um, people's perception of what is holy and what is good is being stretched a little bit. So you know, David is in some ways is you know putting the ark in a in a cart because he's kind of worried about it and he's like, oh, this is so holy, this is so holy. Uh, I, we, we can't, we can't do it the normal way. We got to take these extra precautions here. Um, but really God is wanting them to really, um, to carry the ark in the way that it was before. Um, and that is a, he has made that a holy thing. He's also, uh, playing joyful music, uh, praiseworthy music, and he's dancing around and people might have thought, oh, this isn't, this isn't serious. This isn't very holy, but it is. It is holy, and really, whatever God decides to make holy is what becomes holy, uh, because it's yeah, His he, holiness that He gives to that person or that object. He yeah. done His homework because He He followed the Mosaic law. Uh, he uh, prepared a tent of goat hides for the ark. Uh, he had more than eight hundred Levites took part in the, the procession. Uh, a lot of those were playing the instruments and dancing and too. And David uh, was the leader of all this. He helped organize it. He dressed as a priest. Mm -hmm. uh, he, had, he had all the people involved 
consecrate themselves or do, went through their purification rites before the uh, yeah. before this, and uh, then he set it up that the Levites would continue to care for the ark once it was uh, properly placed. So he yeah. did do his homework finally. <laughs> finally. <laughs> And, yeah. the, and then the the ark was placed in the tent, and I was surprised when uh, when they said that the ark was placed in the tent of uh, goat hair, goat skins. Yeah. And then the tent was called the tabernacle of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. What was surprising to you about that? Well, I I, I thought they would build a marble structure or or uh, something out of cedar, not a tent with goat skins. I mean. Goats, are, you don't think the goats are being a very, uh, I don't know, um, proud animal yeah, or something. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's interesting. It kind of goes back to our theme of holiness. You know, it reminds me of the story of Peter uh, when he was going to Cornelius's house, or he's commanded to go to Cornelius's house, who is a Roman and uh, a Gentile, not non-Jew. Um, so not originally considered a part of God's people, but because of Jesus's ministry to all people, uh, after Jesus's resurrection, Peter has this dream and it has this whole, this sheet that comes down, uh, out of the sky and it has all sorts of the, an all sorts of animals, animals that were thought of to be unclean, right. just dirty or, you know, not, not a part of, you know, the holiness code um in 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 uh, the history of god's people and god says uh, do not declare anything unclean that i have made clean hey. and so i think that goes along with this is kind of getting into application too but i think that goes along with how we treat one another and how we see um the things around us too um, god can make anything clean god can make anyone holy um and uh, we are to treat one another um, and see people and, and things in the, with the eyes of God, uh, to see things as gifts, uh, to be used for God's glory, to see people as um, made in the image of God, image bearers. Um, so I think that kind of plays out in our everyday lives as well. Um, something that really stood out to me, um, gives me a lot of hope too, is uh, the Lord's covenant with David in chapter 17. Um, God says to David, and I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And um, I think there is, while God is certainly isn't confined to a place or a space, there is definitely something to the fact that we have sacred places and sacred spaces to uh, worship him or even we today uh, have objects that we have signified as holy and holy just means set apart for a particular purpose and we use those to signify to us God's presence in our lives um, and so you know there could even be things in our households and our families or traditions that we establish to help signify to us uh, God's presence in our lives, or maybe it's a, a picture or a memory, or even we do memorials, right? We yes. um, plant a tree or something like that uh, in remembrance of someone else. Um, or, you know, we do 
all sorts of things, I guess, that remind us of, you know, the past and the history, but there are also things that we use to remind us of God's active work in our lives uh, today and not just throughout history. So, yeah, anything else that stands out to you or that gives you kind of hope as you are well, reading? Well, this, this is something I didn't know. Uh, what I thought was interesting is that uh, David built two goat tents. Okay. Uh, one goat tent was the tabernacle of the Lord, and uh, the other uh, goat tent, uh, um, the tabernacle of the Lord, I believe they, they put the um, uh, ark in, and then they built another tent um, for the... Um, priests to do their ceremonies and it yeah. said there were two high priests uh one of them was in jerusalem and one was in uh, i think gideon okay and yeah. this this functioned this way until solomon built the real temple and then they put everything together and, and then went back to uh, went back to one priest so I don't know why he thought they needed two two tents, one for the ceremony and one for the uh, the ark. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. So they had two high priests. They had one in Jerusalem and one in Gibeon. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know about that. Very good. Um, and the the other thing I'm just going to touch on is that uh, when the author broke the continuity of the narrative and you were saying too that that David was blessed to God, even though before he got the ark, they uh, they listed three things that prove this uh, are supported. One was that um, other kings in the area were recognizing David as being the king of the Israelites, yeah. and they were actually uh, helping him uh, bringing in cedar. Lebanon logs and things of all this and helping him build a city and one of the main guys was at Hiram of Ty and then also during this period they had, it was very tranquil and the people were able to build and settle down and raise their families and then David, although David had a number of wives but he really started having a lot of children, a lot, a lot of children <laughs> and then the other thing that happened during this period of time is that um, he defeated the Philistines twice, and um, both the times um, he placed God first, and um, this allowed him to establish his kingdom, these, these three main things. And then after this, um, uh, he wanted to build a, uh, a temple, and then we find out that God, God spoke through Nathan to tell David that he was not to be the one to build the temple. It was going to be one of his sons. He didn't mm. He didn't say Solomon. He said, it's going to be one of your sons. And David heard this and obeyed. So he was starting to, to learn. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think God was forming him. Um, and thank you for that evidence, too, that just points to God uh, blessing him just even without the Ark of the Covenant. So 
Uh, we've talked about a lot of things so far. We will be right back after a short break, and then we'll yeah, talk I'm a wondering. little bit more. These 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 breaks are short when you listen to them, but really the last time I was able to do my laundry, do my Christmas cards, and just kind of clean up in the house before you got that back to me. All right. We will be right back, and we'll let you know what Ed has completed. Welcome back from our break. Ed, what have you completed uh, during that, that, that time that we were uh, taking a mental break? Well, this time I just took a nap. Oh, wow. Good, you know, a, a good 45 minutes hour nap is uh, refreshing. You must be on a different like time-space <laughs> time continuum than the rest of us. I'm in, I'm in Bear County. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. What, you're in what, what county are you in? I'm in Bear County too. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah, okay. Bear County is 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 yeah. very large. The counties are very big yeah. in Texas. I mean, that's what they say. Everything's bigger I, in I Texas. I liked it when they called it Bexar. I liked it when Bexar. they used to. That's that's <laughs> what the real name is, Bexar, and then it's got anglicized in there, Bexar. I like that <laughs> instead of bear. Um, well, anyways, let's bear some fruit. And uh, talk about some applications. So, Ed, how do you see this section of Scripture having importance to our lives today? All right. The, the way that this ends uh, in the verse 17, um, and I thought this is interesting because it's David entered one of his goat tents and um, he sat before the Lord. And in, in my Lutheran study Bible, there was a, a little note that says, this is the only reference to sitting as a position found in the Old Testament. This is the only reference to anyone to sit down and pray uh, in the Old Testament. And the thing is, that David understood that he received this kingship and an internal promise, not through his own merit, but solely because God is gracious. And I think this is really emphasized in the New Testament. Um, in, in the Old Testament, too, but the Old Testament has a lot more... Um, history and a lot more um, what I say um, a lot of backstabbing and battles and things of that sort yeah so I think what we what he understood uh, is that everything he had and you could see by the way he wanted to bring the ark in and the way he uh, responded to Nathan and the way he wanted to deal with his people uh, and when he first moved the ark originally, there he he had a consensus to bring it to Jerusalem. He didn't have a, a, a democratic vote where eighty uh, percent was for and twenty percent was against. He had a consensus of the Israelites 
which basically means it was 100% that were with him. And I, I think during this period of time, he wanted to be the Israelites' um, religious leader. Uh, he wanted to take care of his people. And he understood that all this had to be done uh, through uh, God and because God is gracious. And I think that's a very, very simple thing for us to get up every morning and, and think about that God is gracious and what he, what God has done for us. Awesome. Yeah, my son's name is Jackson, and one of the meanings behind that name is God has been gracious. So that's one of the reasons why we chose that name for our son. Good. Um, a thing that I was thinking about earlier was the fact that, you know, people were not allowed to touch the ark. And, and I've mentioned this before a little bit with Mount Sinai. You see in the Old Testament all these examples of God saying, do not touch this or you will die. There will be consequences because um, anything that's unclean that touches a holy thing, that holiness takes over the uncleanliness of the person or the, the thing or the object, and then it kills, it kills that person. But here's the difference, is when Jesus comes and he, has, he lived his life on the earth, people touched him all the time, and he touched people without them dying. And in fact, the God himself came, and, and people touched God and saw him face to face, and they lived. And they not only uh, didn't die, but they actually were restored completely. So you see this kind of reversal in how uh, in this story right here, and not that it was a it was a bad thing. It was just how God was interacting with His people during that time. And then in Jesus, He reveals Himself in an even fuller way, and so people are able to touch Jesus. They're able to see Him, and actually, God is, you know, on the cross. Jesus receives. Uh, the object of of uncleanliness. The he he's dying on a, on a tree, which was considered a, a a cursed thing to experience, a humiliating thing to experience, and yet he he did that, and through his uh, death, uh, we receive life. So there's that reversal of um, that we see in comparing when we're com contrasting the story of. Uh, people touching the ark and dying and people touching Jesus and living. Um, well, I think in this story, if I would, I would compare David to Jesus. Right. And the ark as a holy artifact uh, with rules and regulations. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and, and it's all kind of God's presence and, and how he, he interacts with his people. And he certainly used David uh, to speak to his people. But yeah, so, um, but God is fully revealed in Jesus. And even today, uh, we get to experience the presence of God in our lives um, through everyday things and also through sacred times of worship and sacred places. So, Ed... Thanks for being on the show once again, um, for, for coming in. 
in a time crunch. I really appreciate it. We like to end our time together with a random question. So my random question for you today is a little strange, but... Uh, well, you're talking to the right guy then. There you go. All right. Here, here it is. I'm just going to go for it. The question is, how many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, let me, can I ask a couple questions? Yes. Uh, you mean that um, the elephant's not trying to eat them? I guess it's, not. I don't know. Okay. Uh, well, I would say just one. Okay. I'm not too sure how he would do it, but I was thinking of uh, David and Goliath. Hmm. So he might, the chicken may come up with something uh, that we, that would do the job. I don't know. <laughs> throw, a, throw a hard boiled egg at him. You know? Yeah, there know. you go. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to say a hundred, a hundred would probably do it. Uh, but Hey, I'm running out of random questions to ask. I look up, uh, I have a list that I use off the internet, and that was one of them. So thanks for being a little strange with is, me today. Is there there is there an answer to that? Is there is there is a, no answer to that. It is up okay. for interpretation. All right, and then okay, there you go. All right, All right. we interpreted it. <laughs> Hey, listeners, uh, thanks for continuing to go on this journey of growing up and talking with us about God's Word. If you want to email any questions or comments to us, you can do so at growupandtalkpodcast at gmail.com. That's all for today. Thank you, Ed, once again. Thank you. All right. We will talk with you next time. Bye. All right.